It occurs to me that in this, my last report to the London Times, there are many incidents which I have omitted, things seen and heard during these several months of my journeys through the American West. Here, then, some random notes. Frontier Gentlemen. an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. <laughs> notes are being written as I journey by train to New York. From there, I shall board a ship for England and home. I recall in the Montana Territory town of Helena, a tall gentleman in high hat, black broadcloth frock coat, a dirty shirt with a torn paper collar, and the most singularly unpressed pair of nankeen trousers. He stood outside a saloon with a small case of bottles set before him. About a dozen men and women were crowded around, and a small yellow dog slumbered at his feet. Yes, sir, yes, lady, it's here. Here in this little bottle. Magic, you ask? No, say I, not magic. Pollux original Mameluke liniment, a sovereign remedy for man and beast. It is confidently recommended to the afflicted as an infallible remedy for the following diseases. To wit, burns, cramps, pains in the joints, sore throat, frosted feet, rheumatism, spinal complaints, lumbago, old sores, cuts, bruises, swellings, sprains, pains in the back or sides, headache, cutaneous affections, ague cake, bites of insects or reptiles, salt room, mange, cracked hands, tetter, dysentery, cholera morbus, and cholera. What about the heaves, mister? Oh, the heaves you are, sir. And in this bottle, the answer to your question, sir. Pollock syrup of sassafras, a cure. Nature's noblest remedy for heaves, consumption bronchitis, croup or hives, colds, coughs, asthma, hoarseness, difficulty of breathing, purifying the blood, whooping cough, and a dozen ailments too horrible to mention. Ladies and gentlemen, it costs only 25 cents for one bottle. Or as an added inducement for your health, ladies and gentlemen, Pollock's original Mameluke liniment and a bottle of Pollock syrup of sassafras, both for the small sum of 40 cents. Think of the dollars and suffering you will save by this miraculous movement. I remember the duel fought between two ladies, rivals for the dubious hand of a swaggering young Lothario named Court Thompson. The entire town turned out for the event. The duelists were Matty Silks and Katie Fulton. They were to fire at ten paces, and all was in readiness. Well, sir, if you ask me, my money's on Matty. Matty? Why, sure, everybody knows Matty Silks. You mean you ain't visited? No. I got $10 says you'll blow Katie Fulton's bustle clean out of the county. Aside from Court Thompson, Matty ain't standing for Katie's bar being on the same street. That's real bad feeling there. Well, which is Court Thompson? Feller standing next to Matty. Oh, he's a one. He is. Uh, you got to excuse me now, mister. I've been selected to count off the steps. All right, folks. Stay back. Let's get on this here door of honor. Matty, Katie, you know the rules. Ten paces and I count three and you start shooting. Let's go. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ready, ladies? One, two, three. You killed me! I'm shot! It was Katie Fulton's shot that missed Mattie Silks and hit Court Thompson. Some said she'd done it purposely. Others argued that it was an accident. At any rate, Mattie took the wounded Don Juan home, and as far as I know, their love burgeoned from that moment on. I shall continue these notes after the next stop, which is Chicago. I met in Fort Benton. His name was Shorthorn Tong. On our journey to locate his lost mine, he gave me an insight into Western speech, which I have found to be most valuable. He was leading a balky mule along a winding trail, and the air was blue with invective. <coughs> oh, it ain't really cussing. Get sort of air in your lungs. Now, you take that mule. I call him a son of a gun. Now, that ain't rightly so, because anybody can see he ain't nothing but a son of a mule. <laughs> but he's a no good son of a gun, because that's the way it goes, see? Uh, yes, yes, I, I follow you. Now, speaking of that, what exactly is son of a gun stew? Son of a gun stew? Yes. Shucks, I'll tell you. <laughs> that's just about the best thing a man ever put in his insides. It's got brains and sweet breads. Oh, gotta be a fresh killed cat, gotta be. And tongue, liver, light, heart, kidney. Oh, I tell you, mister, that is a something. <laughs> That's better than pooch any day. Yes, sir, when I find this claim, I'm gonna get me a set of store-bought teeth. And I'll show you how to make a son of a gun stew. <laughs> you throw everything in except the hair, horns, and holler. <laughs> That's a real grub. Yes, sounds <laughs> Tell me, what's a hard tail? Oh, it's just a mule. Like this ornery stump-sucking son of a gun. A hard tail mule. Hear it. Stump-sucker? Ha! Ain't you never seen a horse getting his teeth against something and sucking wind? That's what a stump-sucker is. Ah, oh, you don't want nothing to do with a critter like that. <clears throat> no, sir. No. I've heard the expression, riding herd on a woman. Oh, that's courting, riding herd, courting. <laughs> Boy, you stick around, old shorthorn Tom. He'll have you talking smart as a bunkhouse rat. Gee, you know what we call a fellow like you, Green from the East? 
Tenderfoot, Button, Dude, Prune Picker, Pilgrim, Softcorn, Greener. <laughs> what about you? Me? A rawhide, coffee cooler, pocket hunter, river sniper. Of course, fellas got me a lot of other things, too. <laughs> it don't really matter what they call you. It's what you are that counts. I take you for a good partner, mister. Real good. Shorthorn Tom never did find his lost mine. He died up in the Highwood Mountains. I was with him. Then there was the performance of Othello that I witnessed in Kansas, the Frontier Theatrical Players. Othello was a fine, powerful fellow with a broad Texas accent. A cowhand recruited by the wife of a ranch owner. And needless to say, the wife played Desdemona. Unfortunately, Othello had a scant three days in which to memorize his part. The resultant scene I report verbatim. And that handkerchief which I give, give to you, I give it to Cassio. No, buy my life and soul. Send for the man and ask him. No, I don't want no sweet talk, honey. He all take you to perjury because you aren't on thy deathbed. I, but not yet to die. Yeah. So you confess freely about all that sin. For, for... For to deny. For to deny... Each article with oath cannot remove or choke. Uh, something, something that I do grunt. Honey, you all gone die. Mercy. Amen. And have you mercy, too. I never did offend you in my life. Never loved Cassio, but with such general warranty of heaven as I might now, love, I look, never get him broken. I saw, I saw, you know, the handkerchief, everything, I saw he, it. Uh, he found it, then. I never gave it him. Send for him hither. Let well, him... Well, he confessed. What, my lord? Well, you know, he, uh... He's been dealing off he of the bottle. So. He won't for a fact. Honest Yago stopped his mouth. Oh, my fear interprets. What is he, Dad? And all of his hair been lied. My great revenge had stomach for all of them. Alas, he's betrayed and I undone. I'll trump it. Weep thou for him in my face. Oh, banish me, my lord, but not kill me. I'll trump it. Kill me tomorrow. Let me live tonight. No, sir. But half an hour. Being done, there is no pause. But while I say one prayer... It's friend. too late. You take your hands on this food, sir. I'll come up and rip a hide off. The player's conclusion had deviated somewhat from Shakespeare's intent, but I found it nonetheless dramatic. I've often wondered whether the Texas Othello continued his thespian career... He could have made a fortune in London. Uh, speaking of fortunes reminds me of an extraordinary thing that happened in Montana Territory. I shall note it down after dinner. There's a new dimension in motoring today. It's a lot for you to make Coming your way, smart, sensible, clear as it do, the perfect family car for you, the lock, a Baker. the 
A U.S. car that's sized just right for the needs and tastes of the times. It's the Lark by Studebaker, your new dimension in motoring. The Lark gives you big car spaciousness on the inside, it's seat six, and small car convenience on the outside. It's nearly three feet shorter than conventional cars. Smartly styled, beautifully engineered, the Lark looks better and drives better than many expensive cars, yet costs less to buy, far less to operate. It's your new I mentioned an event in Montana Territory. But it happened to a Chinese gentleman named Lee Chang. He was a well-educated man, scrupulously honest, and ran a general supply store in Helena. During a few days of my visit, I had enjoyed several cups of tea and one or two chess games with him. I remember that one afternoon, he seemed quite excited. His hand shook as he poured the tea. This is a momentous day for me, my friend Kendall. Oh? You are the first to know. I am a mine owner. No. Look. A legal document which gives me possession of the lucky hand plus a claim. I have paid for it with my life's earnings, $40,000. You know that uh, some men have been bringing me their gold dust to keep for them, as in a bank? Yes, I remember you telling me. Uh, it was their claim that I bought. Uh, it took much time, much trade talk, but finally they agreed to sell. Now I am a mine owner. As soon as I have made my fortune, Kendall, I shall return to China. I live the remainder of my life in peace and security. Lee Chow was evidently the last or next to last man in Helena to find out what had happened. I heard it three days later from the barber who was shaving me. Hey, mister, it's the biggest joke in Helena since old man Hornaday strung up that mule for kicking his wife. You mean he ain't heard? No. Hey, a Chinese gent along the street, Lee Chow, bought himself a mine. Yes, I know. You know it's salted? Salted? He's paid 40000 for a salted mine. What the boy's done was to take him a bag of gold dust every day to hold for him. Lee figures they got a whopper claim. He wants to buy in partners. No, sir, says they. And then when Lee's prime real good, the boys figures how they've done enough work, they're ready to sell out. Lee Chow buys for $40,000. The fellas take your dust and vamoose, leaving Lee Chow with a deed to a vegetable farm. That's all it's good for. Well, does he know yet? Uh, if he don't, he's the only man in hell that ain't. Well, what about the men who sold the claim to him? Uh, last I heard, they was headed for California. Ah, uh, good morning, my friend Kendall. Good morning, Mr. Lee. You appear downcast. Is something the matter? Well, I've just heard some rather bad news. It's... Uh... It's about your claim. Oh? You've been cheated, Mr. Lee. There's no gold. The men who sold it to you knew it. So? But I, I do not understand. Yesterday, my boys who are working for me, they bring me a sack of dust. Here. See for yourself. It is the same as I have seen before. Your workers took this out of the claim? It is just as it has always been. I, I, I don't understand this talk of cheating. <laughs> Neither do I, Mr. Lee. Ah, yeah, oh, here is my friend, Ji Ping. He very fine miner working for me. Good morning, Ji. Good morning, Lee. 
Good morning, honored sir. Good morning. Uh, my friend here, Kendall, he's worried about the claim. You worried? Why? There is talk of uh, salting the mine. Then salt is of gold. Here, from work of yesterday. One ounce more than first day. Ah, uh, I do not know from where you hear this bad news, my friend Kendo. But if the rest of my life is as unfortunate, I shall indeed be a rich and happy man. Will you take a cup of tea with me? Perhaps a game of chess? A day or so later, I left Helena and didn't return for about three weeks. And then it was only to spend an hour or so arranging for transportation to Fort Benton. I went to the store at Mr. Lee Chow and found to my surprise that it was closed. I walked to the barber shop and over a hair trimming learned what had happened during my absence. Lee Chow, Mr. You whispered that name around these parts. Say, ain't I seen you before? Yes, I came in for a shave a few weeks ago. Yeah, never forget a face. Well, what about Lee Chow? Gone. China, they say. Well, what happened? It's all that claim of his. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, maybe you are, but there's a passel of fellas around here who ain't. You know what that son of a gun did? What? Salted his mine. So, ain't that what? something? Everybody figuring Lee Chow an honest man, and he salts a mine. Shows you. Well, how? I mean, I thought the claim had turned out to be good. What do you, what do you call it, a bonanza? Yeah, that's what everybody thought. You know what he was doing? Every day he had one of his coolies bring in a sack of dust, made sure people saw it. After a while, fellas begun figuring that Lee really had struck pay dirt. Couple of them went into Lee's place, showed him a sack of dust. He showed it to me. Sure he did. And he had one other sack. That's all I had. When he kept in the store, the other he'd give back oh, the coolie and bring oh, it in the next day. <laughs> uh, it ain't nothing to laugh at, mister. You know what he done? <laughs> no. I haven't any, any idea. Sold that worthless bit of ground for 100000 <laughs> Yes, sir, 100000 then skips off oh, to China. No. Biggest swindle ever seen in the territory. <laughs> Fellas who bought it found out the next day. I have thought of the outlaw, Dick Gillis, and the interview I had with him in Virginia City. He had been convicted of holding up the stage and the murder of two men. We talked in his cell, the marshal sitting outside at his desk keeping a watchful eye on us. Gillis was quite proud to be the subject of an English newspaperman's report. Perhaps he colored his life for that reason. I'll never be quite sure. I'm 36. 36 years out of a mother's arms I never knew. She went up Salt River when I was born, Abby. My pa, he were a wicked old so-and-so. used to beat the tar out of me. I run away from home when I was ten. Where did you go? Nebraska, Kansas, Colorado. I've been all over. I've seen more than most men see in five lifetimes. Less than I wish I had. What made you start just being an outlaw? Man doesn't start, mister. Shucks, I was born outlaw. Did my first killing when I was ten. Shot me my pa's horse. That's how come I run away. Well, why did you shoot his horse? I don't know. Because I guess old Varmint cared more for horse flesh than for his own son, maybe. I sure hated that critter. If I hadn't killed the horse, I'd have killed the old man. Now, that's for sure. How many men have you killed? In fair fight, two. No matter telling it now, because I'm going to hang anyway. Seven. Seven I killed in hate, for killing's sake. Do you have a girl? I got a wife. Ain't seen her for three years now. There's a kid, too. But I never did go back. I guess is how they'll manage along. You know, a man like me oughtn't take up with a wife and her kids. There's something all fired wrong. Wrong? Fella like me, I know I done bad. I know I'm going to hang. There ain't no one going to sorrow. Kind of wish I weren't so. What do you think? I know what you mean. If I had me a 44, I'd shoot my way out of here and I'd head for the hills and live, you know? Funny how quick a man forgets the smell of grass and sage. 
I should have been one of them poet fellas. I, I knew Jack Crawford once. You ever meet up with him? No. I'd like to ask you a favor, mister. What is it? You write what I'm telling you in that English paper of yours. You say maybe somebody sorrowed when I got my neck broke, huh? Make it up maybe like my wife or kid heard and they sorrowed. I will. Day comes when man gets to be alone. Ain't nothing more to look at except what's inside. <laughs> I sure hadn't ought to kill that horse, you know? These are some of the things which I've seen, heard during my travels. I find myself despondent at the thought of leaving this country and its people, yet my sadness is tempered with the realization that perhaps someday I shall come back to the great American West, which for the past several months has been my home. Effective and safe. Tums relieve the discomfort of acid indigestion quickly with no danger of acid rebound, sometimes caused by harsh alkalizers. Always carry Tums, 10 cents. Three roll pack a quarter. New six roll pack with free metal carrier, 49 cents. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Ben Wright, Virginia Gregg, Lawrence Dobkin, Joseph Kearns, Vic Perrin, Jack Crucian, Jack Moyles, and Harry Bartell. Bud Sewell speaking. CBS, caution before speed. This is the CBS Radio Network.